We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Light. New England standing QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle, he dives, and he's in! Touchdown, 49ers! What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by BetOnline.ag. My name is Rob Lauder, cover the 49ers for NinersNation.com. And joining me tonight, just the same as every other night, is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, Eric freaking Crocker. What's going on, dude? How you doing? How you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good. I actually put out my uh, top 20 cornerback uh, re- list. How's that um, been? How's that been received? Have you been called an idiot, or you're wrong, or your opinion sucks? Oh, 100 percent. But I, well, actually, I, I don't think it was actually. Well, I don't look through the comments. I, I did last night as they were coming in, and you know, it's funny because people, you know, they'll they'll come with the whole like, oh, blah blah blah, and then when I talk to them about it, it's just like. They're like cool about it, like okay, I can see why you did that. Oh, you know, and you know, you know what I'm saying. So they kind of change their tune, but um, I think initially it's kind of a shock, just because I think just because it's different. I had somebody say like, if you have Jeff Okuda at at, at two, you're just trying to be different. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm really not trying to be different. Like this is just really how I feel, and like I have a very detailed description, like you know why. Uh, Funny that like you've we started to hear that teams could be looking at C.J. Henderson like within the top 10, but you're called like that. And, and that's been out there and people have like been like, okay, all right, I, I see it. But 
if you have him above number one, but still going in the top ten, like people think it's weird. Like, right. like look, man, one might go at four, one might go at seven, or two, three and and eight. You know what I mean? Like, there's not a whole lot separating these two guys. So, like, the idea that somebody is offended about your it's it's funny. What one thing I was gonna say too is, I guarantee you, a lot of people will will talk shish about your rankings and and spout off assuming that you're not going to reply to them and they're just like <laughs> going to leave it they're, they're just going to leave a comment and like get some likes and be done with it and then when you pipe back and you're like hey uh yeah i feel that way and this is why and and they're like oh okay okay uh, oh yeah 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 yeah. I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> yeah that that definitely happens a lot so i'll probably i mean there's like over 100 comments now i'm pretty sure at some point i'll go through you know and just Hey, you know, let's talk about it. That's why I always say, you know, let's talk about it. See, and a lot of times it's just like one or two players that they disagree with where they are, and then that's why their list is stupid. Like, it's stupid because, oh, you have Denzel Mims at 14. Like, and it's like, okay, you're now the whole list is stupid because of one guy. Well, you know, okay, well, we can talk about it. And then I think some people would think because – I have somebody at 14. First of all, I think it's a pretty deep receiver class, and there's so many different type of guys. Um, you heard John Lynch say, oh, yeah, there, you know, there's 24 receivers that, you know, we that they basically like, that he's going through and he thinks that they're talented and they can be, you know, right. uh, you know, on their team and basically, like, be impact guys, you know. So if I have a guy at 14, I think that includes that guy that Kyle feels like, hey, we can use this guy a certain way and he can be very productive. I think Mims is one of those guys. The way I kind of view it is who has the best chance of being a wide receiver one. And that's kind of how I kind of base my rankings. Not saying that they are going to be that. I, there might only be two or three or four guys that in, end up being like, you know, a wide receiver one on the team. But that's basically kind of how I view it, who can be a wide receiver one. And I look at, like, you know, different things that make them unique, uh, whether, you know, special traits and whatnot and then how consistent they are at doing that, and then that's kind of how I make my, my 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 rankings. So I got, like, Mims, who I know a lot of people like. Um, I think in the 49ers offense, he can be productive. I think he has a very uh, uh, precise kind of, like, skill set where, hey, you know, he can stretch the field, he can run the crossers, he's a great contested catch guy. And a lot of that is what the 49ers are missing. So if you line him up opposite of Debo Samuel and you have a guy like maybe Dante Pettis that's, you know, doing good, then – Mims could be a great fit for the Niners. And then now, you know, people are like, oh, you look like you feel stupid now, huh? And it's like, no. I I, I assume that all of these guys well, – I don't want to use the word assume, but I I always say I don't know what they're going to be. I'm just evaluating them as prospects. But you'll never hear me say, like, this guy won't be this or he can't do this, you know? I right. think people try to push me into that that type of, like, to make those kind of statements, and I, and I don't. I hope they all do good. You know, that'd be that'd be dope. But chances are there are only gonna be, you know, a handful that really make, you know, some type of impact. And you know, before the draft all you do is kind of evaluate them. And then you don't know where they're gonna go. Like you can have somebody who I feel like is super talented, but if he goes to a crappy situation, he's gonna look terrible. Squashed, dude. Squashed. Like, like I thought Corey Davis was like the bees and ease. Like I had a really, really, really high opinion of him coming out. But you know he kind of you know he went to uh, to Tennessee and and you know had some injuries and slugged his way through bad quarterback play and you know right. and then they drafted AJ Brown and he's taking off and 
and you know, it's like, who knows what that guy would have been if he'd gone somewhere else. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's just, and the thing that you're mentioning too is like, it's never really, I mean, there are guys that you can love and guys that you can, you know, slam the table for and say, this guy's going to be, you know, like, um, why am I drawing a blank? The Seattle receiver. Uh, the guy that every, right. I mean, you, you, despite the fact that everybody kind of cooled on him and he, he didn't go until whatever it was late in the second round, you were always all about him. And then sure enough, he came out and, and looked exactly like the receiver everybody kind of thought he was going to be before his stock kind of fell or, or, you know, apparently with NFL teams, maybe his stock was never, ever really that high, but you know, obviously everybody was talking about him after that ridiculous combine and you know, for some reason, people. I think if they did a redraft, he would go in the first round easily. Right. After after what you've seen of him in Seattle, but the the point I was trying to make is that people just get too attached to their opinions. And and like I, like I was saying, you can have guys that you love and that you'll bang the table for, and that you're confident about what they'll be. But people just come at you like like you're putting your your life's work and stamp on these guys and your opinion is unwilling to is, is incapable of changing. And if they don't work out, you're going to feel like an idiot. Like it's just, you, know, you could just tell when somebody comes at you with that attitude that they don't really know you and they right. don't really know. What that's, what I try to remember. that's what I try to remember too. But like somebody was coming at me and he was like, Oh, well you had Hakeem Butler and Riley Ridley top five last year. And it was like, well, yeah, but I, uh, you know, because he was basically like, you're wrong. Like, you're always wrong. And it's like, well, also I had DK McCaff number one, Debo Samuel number two, and A.J. Brown number three. And that wasn't a consen- consensus uh, one, two, three. There were a lot of people no, that had um, uh, Hollywood Brown over those guys, and Hollywood didn't have as good a season as any of those guys. Um, there were a lot of people that had Nikhil Harry over those guys. There were a lot of people that had um, Paris Campbell over those guys. Um, and there's another guy too. So like, even then my, my top five was still kind of unique. Um, and a couple of little guys, you know, Hakeem Butler, he didn't even play, but even then before then, it sounded like he wasn't doing well in camp. Uh, but you know, um, and then Riley really, he barely saw the field. So, but the other three guys who did see the field, they played very well, you know? So it's like, you know, was I still trying to be different then when I had those? No, it's like, that's just what I thought. And I thought that, DK had a very unique skill set of uh, power, quickness at the line of scrimmage, and speed that I thought no matter what, that's going to translate. Um, and I thought Debo Samuel was, you know, a refined uh, route runner. I don't think he had enough credit for that. Um, he had twitch. He had quickness. Um, he was explosive. Like, I really liked all those things. And then A.J. Brown, like, consistent, strong hands, um, can play outside, inside. I questioned how much he could play outside, but still he was my wide receiver three. So, you know, I have my reason. People are like, oh, you don't have Hollywood Brown. Well, those guys were more productive. You don't have Paris Campbell. Okay, well, those guys are still more productive than those guys. You know, so that's all. I, I just had, you know, I, I appreciate people that when they t- come and talk to me, I actually had a cornerback from um, Oregon State DM me. I mean, not Oregon State, Oregon, a corner from Oregon. He was like, hey, I respect the hell out of this. You know, because I, cause I, uh, he, he actually took the time to kind of read through my thread and why I didn't have Akuda my CB1. And he TM'd me, and he was like, I respect the hell out of it. You know, and that's all I asked for, just respect it. And I do get a lot of people that um, quote tweet it, and they're like, you know, I don't agree, but 
you know, I know you put in the work, so I respect, you know, like your opinion on that. And you do have. Well, and you're not out here like throwing around hyperbole and making these, you know, huge ass statements like, oh, this is the best corner I've ever seen. And, you know, every you're in, you know, a lot of people want to make statements like that on Twitter because, you know, it can get retweets and people are like, oh, damn, like he's, he's putting it out there. But, you know, when like when people read your tweets, it's just you writing down what you saw. And right. it's not like you have a big ego about it. So it's. It's just funny to see how people react. And, like, you know, I was texting you the other day about that dude. He was, he was like, talking shish on you, but he was, like, like he, what did he say? Like, this guy doesn't even have Denzel Mims in his Tom 10. But but he wasn't, like, talking to anybody else. He was just <laughs> replying to you as if he was talking to somebody else. I'm like, is this guy talking to you in third person? Like, yeah, what is I, I was just like, oh, man. I mean, people just will – it's just Twitter, man. We all know what it is. But, anyways, moving on. Uh, outside of the first 10 minutes, obviously, uh, today's episode of Striking Gold is all about you guys. Um, I just figured, and you know, Crocker and I figured that the best thing that we could do like two days before the draft is just have a mailbag and get your guys' questions and get you, get an idea of what you guys are feeling and, uh, you know, what it, the thoughts that are going through everybody's heads because we're only a couple days away from the draft. Most of you guys that listen to this, uh, will probably listen to it, uh, tomorrow on Wednesday, which is the day before the draft. So, and obviously this draft is going to be very, very unique in the fact that, you know, it's all online, it's all digital, it's all, you know, so, I mean, there's sure going to be, I'm sure there's going to be some bumps in the road and some weird problems and whatever. It's just, it's just, it's interesting. And obviously it's interesting for 49ers fans, especially Thursday, because the 49ers have two first round picks and, you know, and that's just the way it is. So without further ado, I think we should jump right into the questions. That way we, we don't have to rush through them. We don't have, we can, we can sit here and talk about every every question you guys have. Now, some of them might be similar to, to others. So if, if we run into a similar question uh, to one that we've already answered, it might be a little bit shorter, but that's just the way it is. But And we haven't gone through and looked at these questions and kind of rehearsed our answers or anything like that. We're just going to pull up my mentions where I put out my mailbag post and we're going to read through them. So, you know, I, I, I don't want anybody to think that we uh, deliberately are leaving out a question or because you didn't know how to answer it or you know, we, we went, it's just, we wanted you guys to get our honest feedback. Like we were having a conversation back and forth. So, uh, let's hop into this. I got my stuff right here. Um, let's just start out with Kyle, who is actually, now that I look at it, a a friend of mine that I know here in Fresno. And his question is very simple. Crocker, are you ready for this? Yeah. Is it true? If you don't use it, you lose it. (laughs) Yes. Of course, I don't know what the hell he's talking about, but 100%, Kyle, for sure. If you don't, if you don't lose it, you're gonna use, you're gonna lose it, bro. I mean, that's yeah. just the way it is. That's happening so, with my athleticism. Like, I just kind of, <laughs> and I'm not like old, but I feel old, like when I move and I run. So, you know, I'm 32 years old now, and you know, I look at it like, well, Richard Sherman is the same age as me. You know, he's still out there running around with kids. <laughs> like when I say kids, I'm talking about like you know guys that are 21 years old, um, and I could never do that right now. So I think that's, you know, when you, if you don't use it, which I haven't used it, you definitely lose it. Yep, and uh, that same phrase could apply to other things, but, it's, you know, you just, you apply it to what you need to, and you just know <laughs> that if you don't use it, you're going to lose it, okay? It could be whatever you guys want it to be. So I think that's a great way to start it off because it just sets the tone that, you know, you're not going to, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. But yep. anyways, so moving on. Sugar Slam. At Sugar Slam. All right. 
Why isn't Jefferson one Justin Jefferson, correct? Uh, am, I getting, am I getting my names right? Yeah, Justin, Justin Jefferson, Jefferson, wide receiver, LSU. Um, why isn't he being mentioned in the same breath as the other big three wide receivers? And when he says big, big three, he's referring to CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs. When his collegiate production was as good or better than theirs, it's not like Tua was some scrub if going to say it was because of Burrow, um, their quarterbacks, and Jefferson shared the rock with Chase, too. Cheers. Hey, cheers to you, Sugar Slim. Um, I, I guess I'll start with this one. Um, for me, Justin Jefferson has always been right there with those three. You know, if I were like Crocker and I wanted to create my top ten right now, Justin Jefferson, for me, would probably be – three or four, and I feel like with me, him and uh, Henry Ruggs would go back and forth. Like, I'd, you know, I'd want to – I'd go back and forth between the two of them. So to us, and I know Eric Crocker in his wide receiver rankings, he has Justin Jefferson as number three. Um, so it's – I don't know why he isn't getting more burn among the media and among draft. I know he's well thought of. I've, I've never really seen somebody – talk down on him. Um, for those of you that don't, don't know, let me just pull it up right here, and I'm apologizing for the typing noise, but I, I really want you to know. Justin Jefferson's stats, because I've looked at these before, but I want to make sure I get them right for you guys. 111 okay. catches, 1,800 yep. yards. No. 1,500 touchdowns. yards. Okay, 18 touchdowns. Yeah, 18 touchdowns. Yeah, he had 111 catches. <laughs> 1,540 yards. He averaged pretty much 14 yards a catch, and he had 18 touchdowns, which is big incredible. boy numbers. It's, big it's, boy it's, numbers. It's incredible. Extremely productive. Right. And, and it wasn't like he's just catching screens and, you know, there's some, like, I remember, like, Michael Crabtree or even, like, Zay Jones, right, catch a ton of passes, but, like, you know, they caught it, like, a ton of screens. Like, these ain't screens to do this catching. Like, he's actually catching the ball downfield. No, and, and what I like about Jefferson is that he's very well-rounded when it comes to he's got he doesn't necessarily shine in one particular area like really really brightly if that makes sense he is pretty good at contested catches he does have good hands but he's just very he's a very very solid receiver he's quick he ran a four four doesn't quite seem like he runs a four four on tape but he separates he runs good routes he is has good he has good hands he's good at going up after the ball he's good at, at using his body to out leverage defenders and and a lot of his touchdowns involve him uh, you know fighting through contact and or at the very least being a bully after the catch he's about I think he's 6'1 200 pounds somewhere in there um, not a huge dude but not small and, I mean, I like him a lot. If the 49ers, did, and I know that they're, they're really going to be cause looking to trade back, cause, because if you, don't, if you don't know already, the 49ers have pick 13 from trading DeForest Buckner to the Colts. They have pick 31, which is their own pick, and then they don't have another pick all the way until the fifth round. So it would not surprise me if the 49ers tried to trade back from 13 and tried to trade back from 31 just to give themselves another second, another third, a fourth, you know, maybe – Two of those somewhere in there, maybe something in 2020, uh, 2021. But if the 49ers trade back out of 13 and they're looking at wide receiver, I feel like Justin Jefferson, if he's still there, is, you know, one of those main guys. But um, what, do you, what about you, Crocker? What's your, what's your, what ended up being your overall evaluation of Jefferson and, and why did he scoot up into number three for you? 
Yeah, I think he started off at like number seven, wide receiver seven for me. But I think just the the like you said, you know, you talked about how well rounded of a game he had, and like you said, you know, you also said uh, it's not like splashy. Um, it's not like just super dynamic. It's it's just really consistent and really good. They throw the ball to him, he catches the ball. Um, you know, he gets open with routes, he catches the ball. You know, um, there's a guy on him. He still catches the ball. Right. And like you said, I mean, you, you actually really touched on a lot of good uh, things. It, I don't think he plays at four four three speed, but he definitely plays fast enough to get on top of guys. And and he reminds me of, like, Kendrick Bourne. I've, I've actually, like, compared him to, like, Kendrick Bourne, a combination of Kendrick Bourne and, and uh, Juju Smith, where, you know, he has a really good contested catch. Uh you know, can play from the slot, can play outside. Uh, I think ideally, you know, he, he, you want him to be more of a target heart, target hog from the slot. But, you know, I, I think the reason why he's kind of slept on or people don't talk about him as much is because it's just not sexy. It's just really consistent and he just does his job. And, you know, it's but it's not like Judy, you know, who makes guys fall and it's not, you know, it's not like, C.D. Lamb, who runs in circles and then runs into the end zone, or like Ruggs, who, you know, he runs a 4-2-7, is just really consistent. And I think he's going to be a really good pro. I think his floor is higher than anyone else's in this draft. Right. I think, yeah, I think that you're probably getting with Jefferson, I mean, maybe he develops into like a low-end wide receiver one, like if everything just really clicks and comes together for him. But I feel like he's going to be just a super solid wide receiver two in the NFL, some guy who can probably get, depending on the situation, I think he can get over 1,000 yards. But it's like a guy that might have seven, 800 yards and like five or six touchdowns every year, which is like really, really valuable. And that might be underselling him a little bit. I'm not saying he couldn't do better than that, depending on the situation. Kind of like Tyler Boyd, you know, like somebody who's like, not like a total and complete beast, but it's just like consistently a factor in every game. You know, somebody who's just a go-to target type of guy. Maybe that's the best way to, to say it is I think he can be a go-to receiver. Somebody that, that quarterbacks are very comfortable throwing to because of just what he does. But anyways, I like Justin Jefferson a lot. I would be right. very, very stoked if, if he ended up. And even like, let's say things fall weird and they're at 13. If they took Justin Jefferson at 13, you wouldn't see me bat an eye. Like, I'd be like, okay, cool. Like, hell yeah. Like they got a good, good player, but we'll see how it, how it goes out. But all right. Ferocious gentlemen. Our next question. Who is, who is each of your guys' draft crush that isn't on everyone's radar? A low key diamond in the rough. Croc, what do you think, man? Ooh, draft crush. All right. Um, I think I mean I've talked to I've talked about this guy, but I'd say Parnell Motley, and he's a corner that I have. I've talked to him about him a bunch, so people are like, "Well, crap, you've been mentioning this guy." But um, I have him in my top ten. I just really like his game. I don't think he's going to get drafted, or if he does, I think it's going to be between you know around six or seven. Um, but I really I appreciated his game and what he did and the challenges that he took on, um, following guys around. He was scrappy. Uh, you know, he's not. You know, he ran a four or five flat, which isn't terrible, but he jumped 30 inches, his, his vertical. Um, you know, he just wasn't the most explosive athlete and didn't even get invited to the combine. So, but he is somebody who, um, I'd say draft crush. I, I think, well, who was it last year? No, the year before it was Kevin Tolliver. Last year it was Debo Samuel. 
Um, and this year, I think Parnell Motley, which we'll, we'll see you, how it turns out. When do you think he'll get looks? Do you think he'll get drafted? Who, Motley? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think he'll probably be on the clock around round five. But if I had to guess, I don't know. There's something telling me he's not going to get drafted. But maybe sixth round. Yeah, well, I mean, that doesn't – to me, that's – you know, it's it's whatever. Like everybody loves an underdog. If he doesn't get drafted, then you know, you know, he can play. To me, if I were GM, I feel like if if I were weighing percentages of the stuff I was looking at, like what they did on tape and what they, you know, how they played football would be like eighty percent of my evaluation. You know, like because too often you just hear about guys that fall for the wrong reasons and they ball out. You know, and you and 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 even more often, I feel like you 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 hear about guys that did something freaky in testing. So they people kind of jump at it, and it just doesn't work out. Right. You know, to me, the most solid thing you can fall back on is, well, how do they already play football? I know. It's crazy, right? Like, are they good at football? Well, then I think they'll probably be good at football some more. You know, so I, I feel like if, if someone like that, like, if you like the way they play, then then that's your guy. It's, it's really – sometimes it's not that complicated. Um, For me, and this is kind of – because one, I didn't. When I first saw the question, I didn't. I didn't really know for sure if I had one. You know, kind of a low key diamond in the rough. But I'm going to go with Michael Walker, and he is a linebacker out of Fresno State. And and obviously, I'm. I went to Fresno State. I live in Fresno. I've watched him over the past two years, uh, and he's just one of those. I, I and I feel like when I watch him, I feel like I. You know, it's kind of like a shades of Dre Greenlaw or something. Um, even though he more has like the body of like a Fred Warner. He's six three, two hundred and thirty pounds. But over the last two years, you know, he played a little bit of both D-end and linebacker. Over the last two years, he had 182 tackles, 22 tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, um, an interception return for a touchdown, 10 pass breakups, three forced fumbles. Like the dude is like, he was just always around the ball. And he's just one of those guys that he didn't like test super, super well. He, I think he ran like a 4-6. Um, I'm trying to think, see if I can get some of the more specifics here. He ran like a four six. He bench pressed 20 times. He had a little over seven second three cone. Like he's like he's he's just decent, but he's just one of those guys that has a feel for the spot. And he was always around the ball, and you always heard his name. And he's just one of those guys that I could see going in like the fifth sixth round that just kind of you know gets an opportunity and ends up being a starting linebacker. Like it's like. He, like his tape doesn't blow blow up at you like it's not like crazy but he's just solid and he's around the ball and I could see you know a team taking him in the in the late rounds kind of like the 49ers took Dre Greenlaw and just he gets an opportunity and, and there it is so who knows who knows I'm not sure what he's going to be I mean he could he could end up being just a special teams guy or he you never know but I've always just liked watching him it's fun to watch and he's just a, a nice like hybrid player which are kind of the rage now. You know, what, what spots can you play? So, all right, moving on. J-Mill says, who balls out more in 2020 considering they stay healthy all year? Trent Taylor, Jalen Hurd, or Dante Pettis, or Jarek McKinnon? Who y'all got? Trent Taylor, Jalen Hurd, Dante Pettis, Jarek McKinnon, all are healthy. Who balls out the most? I feel like I know what you're going to say, Crocker, but you go first. Trent Taylor. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. Me and Crocker be. both have his 2019 off season ingrained in our head. 
<laughs> because I was at all I was at training camp the entire time. Crocker was there for a nice big chunk of it. And guys, I can't tell you enough. Trent Taylor was dominating that thing. Like it was just like what we saw between Jimmy Garoppolo and Trent Taylor at the, when Jimmy Garoppolo first showed up in those five games. It was like that magnified by two. It was like watching somebody who you expected to have like a thousand yard season. You know, like it was just Trent Taylor was all over the place. I don't know what to expect from Jalen Hurd. He obviously wasn't even healthy enough to go to the Super Bowl um, after that back injury. I, I just I have no idea what to expect. I mean, obviously it would be awesome if he could get out there. I think he brings a lot to the table. I don't know. And then you have Dante Pettis, who I just kind of lost a lot of confidence in. I feel like he has all the talent to be a, a huge impact player. There's just something else going on there. Like you saw him as a rookie, and when he got his chances late in the year, he was just he was tearing it up. But something happened that changed his mindset, changed his his output. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Jarek McKinnon is an interesting one because I, I you know if he is healthy and he's close to 100, percent I think he could have a huge, huge impact. Shanahan just loves him and what he brings to the table. It's just it's just another question mark. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how healthy he's going to be. I don't know how big of an impact he's going to be able to carve out of him for himself within that backfield. I, I don't know. It's tough, man. It's a good question, though. Yeah. It's a good question. All right, Jordan. At Jordan Serpa, in what order would you prioritize the 49ers' position needs? <sighs> well, if I were to list my top three, let's start with that if I were to list my, my three top three positions of needs, I would probably go I'd probably go wide receiver, cornerback, offensive line. I think. It's tough to I'm, I'm just kind of Yeah, I, I would say okay, so even In that order. But Yeah, but it's that doesn't mean that that's how you have to you know acquire that position. No, so so I would say you know, based on like like what needs it, I think the needs are wide receiver, cornerback. No, because offensive line, whew, that right guard position kind of ruined the damn Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I mean, I think with, we can get by with, with our receivers. Well, I don't know, we don't have Emmanuel Sanders anymore, but I'd say right guard, right right guard um, should be the number one priority. Like that's the what we need to address the most, and then I would say uh, receiver because you know you gotta have somebody other than Debo Samuel that's somewhat explosive, and then I would say cornerback just because at any moment like Richard Sherman can just like lose it and we'd be in trouble. Right, and that's and that's the big thing when I was saying wide receiver corner, I could. I could easily convince myself to go corner over receiver because Richard Sherman is towards the end of his career. He has one year left on his contract. Um, Emmanuel Mosley is tendered on a one-year deal. Um, Keller Witherspoon has one year left. Like, what do you, what's going to happen after next year? You know what I mean? Like, there, it, it, it would not surprise me if corner was like the 49ers are, are already like – Corner is going to be one of our first two picks, period. 
Like, you know, but you don't really want to do that because you don't want to force a pick if a guy is not anywhere near your, you know, on your big board where you're picking. Like, let's say you're picking at 31 and you have this cornerback that you're the next quarterback cornerback on your big board is ranked like 40th, you know, then you're, you're forcing a, a pick instead of eight other players, nine other players that are you consider better than that corner. So that's why you hear so many people say take best player available because when you worry when you when you wedge yourself into a corner to where you have to take a certain position and those now now they, they could match up. They could match up fine where your needs meet value like you have this cornerback rated your your 28th player on your big board and now you're picking at 31. Boom. You know, you get a you get a great you get a great pick and it matches up with the value. But if it doesn't, now you're forcing picks where you're actually passing on what you felt were better football players to make sure you address the position. And that's why you don't really want to do that because then you're essentially settling for, uh, you know, for worse football players than, than you had the opportunity to draft. So, you know, that's why you don't necessarily want to let me dictate your draft. But a lot of times those can match up. You know, a team can want a wide receiver – and there's a good one there when they're picking. You know, it's, it happens a lot. So, um, Samson Newstrom, thoughts on Chase Claypool, wide receiver out of, well, wide receiver-ish out of Notre Dame. Crocker, go. So, I, I think he, everything says tight end. The, the way he moves, um, his size, his blocking ability, Everything to me just screams tight end, and I think he'd be the top tight end in his class probably. Um, for whatever reason, a lot of people fight it. I think a lot of it comes from him being like the same size as Calvin Johnson, so they think that that's what they're getting. But they're not. Calvin Johnson was a legit receiver. And I'll be the first to tell you, just because two people are the same size does not mean that this player is that. You know, And we can look at you know Evan Ingram. He's actually smaller than Chase Claypool at this moment, and he's a tight end. I think that Chase Claypool would benefit from more favorable matchups, uh, you know, more, you know, against linebackers and slots. And I, I think he'd be a tremendous guy. I think he'd be, you know, like a Delaney Walker type guy. But just him matched up against cornerbacks all day, I think if you leave him there, you're kind of doing him a disservice. Now, that's not to say that he can't prove me wrong and be, like, amazing. And I'll be the first one to be like, oh, <laughs> I was wrong. Right? I did the same thing with uh, Terry McLaurin. Where I was like, oh, he kind of gives me AJ AJ uh, Jenkins vibes, and he's like, then he ended up being like one of the best rookie receivers in the league. So you know, with Chase Claypool, I could be wrong. I'm just saying what I think and what I look at. Um, I actually thought I thought he reminded me a lot of, uh, and this is before the combine. Before the combine, I said he reminds me of Alan Lazard, but I I thought Lazard was better. And and then he goes to the combine and he runs a four three eight and he's bigger than Lazard, like he's two hundred thirty eight pounds. That's pretty big. I was like, this dude's a tight end. Put him there. But because he ran so well and he tested so well, everybody's like, no, he's a receiver. He's a receiver. But when I watched this film, I didn't see receiver. And that was with me. That was without me knowing what he would test at or measure at. I didn't even think he was a draftable guy. So I, I wasn't really high on him like other people. But I think a, a position change would be like. You know, he could be like tight end one out of this class and be really good there. Or a big slot. Or a big slot. Like somebody that plays more of a big slot move tight end role. 
Right. I think that's the best way to put it. It's just like a move tight end. And if he can hold his own in the blocking scheme, then so be it. But, I mean, it's just like being a tight end or, you know, big slot, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't mean he's not going to catch passes. It doesn't mean he's not going to produce. It doesn't mean he's not going to put up wide receiver numbers. Like, it just means he's a bigger guy that can probably get away with putting him inside and having him chip or block more often. And it is what it is. You, you know, is somebody worried about the fact that George Kittle's not called a wide receiver? Like, the dude still dominates. And so if somebody decides that they think this guy could be a better tight end, then so be it. I mean, if the guy's going to produce, he's going to produce. And, you know, it is what it is. And, and I kind of see the same thing when I watch Claypool. Is he's just a, a bigger dude. And and that's the thing. With, like, what you said is, is what I felt. Like, you just watch him, he looks like a tight end. You know, he just – he just looks like a, if no one told you he was a wide receiver and you really didn't pay attention to where he was lining up, he would look like a you know a, a, an athletic tight end catching the ball. So I don't know. Anyways, um, Jameson, he wants to know top three wide receivers that fit the 49ers offense, not named C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, or Henry Ruggs. What do you think, Carl? I mean, you got you got your top twenty wide receivers. I'll let you take this one. What do you think? I think anybody. I mean, really, if if somebody has a specific skill set, um, they can complement whatever you have. So you know, even did he, he just said the top three guys. So I mean, like Mims, I think Mims would be you know excellent as an outside receiver, um, not having to do a lot of the dirty work. He, you know, not having to be a high high volume uh, target guy but somebody that can, you know, stretch the field, open things up, you know, catch the deep crossers, you know, do some of those things. I think he'd be probably really good in that role for the 49ers. Uh, a guy that, you know, is a little bit more like Debo Samuel. Actually, I think I would say he's a little bit better of a prospect coming out. Uh, is, um, 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 why am I drawing a blank? Uh, Rieger, Rager uh, from TCU. Um, another guy who, you know, 49ers are missing speed, right? K.J. Hamler. Or, yeah, K.J. Hamler from Penn State, the receiver. Um, he complimented the 49ers because they don't have that speed guy. And I don't know how fast he really runs because he didn't go to the combine, but I saw him outrun everybody at Ohio State. <laughs> so, you know, definitely the kid can run. So, you know, it just depends on what you're looking for. There are a bunch of guys that can really, like, fit uh, a different need for the 49ers, even like a Michael Pittman, right, 49ers. I mean, unless Hurd comes back and he's just that guy, and I think Hurd can be like this guy, but Michael Pittman. Um, you know, it, it just depends on what, what you're looking for and how you want – what do you want to put around Debo Samuel and Kendrick Bourne. Right. Yeah, I don't I don't think that – I mean, Kyle Shanahan obviously has his type. You know, he, it seems like he prefers this, the shiftier, quicker guys that, that have no problem getting open. But at the same time, maybe that's because he just hasn't found someone that he liked enough to go a different direction. You know, maybe he's, maybe now he's looking for a guy that like, hey man, if it's third and eight and the Super Bowl is on the line, who are we going to throw it up to? You know, we got George Kittle. I need somebody else that I'm going to be able to do the same thing with. You know, and so that's, you know, it just depends. It just depends. But I think any receiver can have their fit. It just depends on what the offense is, feels like it needs at that point. But all right. So before we carry on, uh, we got to get a quick word in from our sponsors, Bet Online, because currently there's no NBA, there's no NHL, there's no MLB. That might lead you to think that there's nothing to bet on. Well, you're wrong. Okay, our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker, blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. 
Are you missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even in the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. It's all open 24 hours a day, and it's all online. So you can stay at home like you're supposed to. Use promo code BLUEWIRE, that's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. Okay, so we're cruising on with our mailbag. John71 wants to know if Ruggs, if Henry Ruggs, C.J. Henderson, Javon Kinlaw, or one of the big four offensive linemen falls to 13 and a trade offer comes in, what is the minimum the Niners need to pass on these guys? Okay, so basically what John is asking is you have these you have these guys that would be able to step in right away, start for the 49ers. Henry Ruggs would be an outstanding compliment to uh, Debo Samuel. They have very good contrasting skill sets. Henry Ruggs is a, a, a burner who, who does other things well too. C.J. Henderson, obviously Crocker's cornerback one, um, would probably step in and start opposite Richard Sherman right away, even – despite the fact that Emmanuel Mosley showed out pretty well. Javon Kinlaw um, is a huge, you know, a, a guy who kind of looks like DeForest Buckner and the fact that he's, he's, he's in decent shape. He's not a big offensive lineman, but he's muscular. He's got long arms. He, he kind of plays along that same type of style, and he's probably somebody that would step in right away and start in Buckner's place. So you're, you're passing essentially, or along with the four offensive linemen, you're, you're, you'd essentially be passing on somebody who you know could step in and start right away with good results or what they would expect to be good results. So what's the minimum the Niners need? To me, I would say that depends on where they're trading back from. If they're only dropping back three spots and maybe one of those guys is still there, then maybe all they need is like a third rounder. To me, if I'm trading out of the first round and I'm jeopardizing kind of that, you know, that foundational player, that that difference maker that John Lynch talked about, I mean, we got to at least be talking about a second rounder. You know, like one of those, to me, second or third rounder, one of those those day one or, or excuse me, day two two rounds that the 49ers don't have anything from. But like I said, that's going to depend on how far back you're trading. Let's say it's the Patriots trying to jump up for a QB that fell or something, and they're all the way back in the 20s. Then you're talking, hey, give me your first rounder next year and give me your third rounder this year. You know, stuff like that. So. I don't know. What do you think, Croc? Croc probably muted himself, not thinking he was going to have to talk for a while. Okay, there we go. Yeah, all right. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's crazy that the, that you mentioned the Patriots needing a quarterback, and for whatever reason, that just kind of slips my mind, right? Like, right. Just assume Tom Brady. Like, but it's a real thing, though. Patriots. It's a real thing. Their quarterback right now is Stidham. I don't even know his first name, but that's their quarterback right now. I think they um, – didn't they sign Brian Hoyer? Okay, Hoyer. That's the right, quarterback. Right. Right. <laughs> Not that that changes anything. <laughs> you know? um, so they are they aren't they are not in an ideal situation at quarterback. So I could definitely see them trying to trade up. But if they do, um especially with their what pick twenty three maybe? I think twenty two, twenty three, yeah, somewhere in there. Um and they want to move up ten spots to get a quarterback, I'm gonna need twenty-three uh and probably a, a, a number two. Because that's me moving back 10 spots. So I, I'm right. going to need 23, a uh, 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 round two, and then even I might even have to uh, – you're going to have to throw in a 
like a fourth and fifth. I would have to look at the draft chart to kind of see what that's worth. But I'm I'm gonna need it. I'm gonna need something for you to move up ten spots to grab a quarterback right. that you want. Um, right. at that high because we're talking about we're not talking about moving up ten spots from you know thirty to twenty or from forty one to thirty one. Like we're talking about moving to thirteen where essentially there's still a lot of elite talented guys on the board, right, that have very um, unique skill sets. And, you know, if you when you're at 13, it's like, man, I could take one of these guys, and these guys are, you know, likely day one type starters, right, high impact. That's why that's how, that's why you're picking that high. Um, yeah, I'm going to need something good. I, I, I can't. And I don't care what you've done for me in the past. I threw you a bone when I gave you a, a starting left tackle. So, um, yeah. Come on, I need. I, I, I'm gonna need a few picks. <laughs> I'm gonna need that bread. Um, okay, yeah. I, I, I mean, I was going heavier than you. If I'm trading back that far, I want your first next year. I want your third this year. Like you know, especially if you know that they're coming up for a quarterback, then you can kind of get a little bit more because it's that position that you know they need. It's the most important position in football. You know, you could you can get them for a little bit more. Um, okay. Um, Dwight K. Schrute, my favorite character from The Office. He wants to know, do you really think uh, Jaquiski Tart, Quan Alexander, or D. Ford will be on the move? I don't know, man. Tart is surprising. He's in the last year of his deal, but he's played really well. He's somebody that, I mean, I would try to keep around. Quan Alexander is such, he's already established himself as such a, a big leader, although, they, you know, and they are, they just restructured his contract in a way that doesn't make it all that appealing for other teams. You know, they took a lot of his, his, his bonus money or money he was due now and moved it back into the back end of the deal. D Ford is the one that I could definitely see being on the move. He didn't play as much as they wanted him to. But at the same time, when he's on the field, John Lynch said uh, yesterday in his press conference, you know, he transforms the defense, and that's 100% correct. Uh, so, I mean, I would be surprised if they traded any of those three. But, I mean, if I had to pick one, I'd probably say D. Ford. But I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know. Crocker, thoughts? Well, I think D. Ford is the one where you probably get the most for him just because he's right. a pass pressure. And at the end of the day, regardless of, you know, if he doesn't play a ton of snaps or whatever, like, he, he's a he's a difference maker. Uh, I think outside of that, the other guys, they're just – not as valuable, like even you know Jaquiski Tart, who I I really like. I think he's a very solid starter. But if the 49ers traded him for a fourth round pick, all right, I'm higher on Marcel Harris than most guys anyway. So, and I think Harris gets a bad rap. He had a rough go against Drew Brees and the Saints. You know, outside of that, nobody can bring up any other times last year where. It was like, oh man, he's in the, he's the issue, he's the problem. They played well against the Falcons, they played well against the Rams, um, and they played well against the Seahawks, and he was playing in all of those games. So, I think Marcel Harris is a hell of a football player, and that had a rough go against the Saints. And if maybe the team saw the same thing, or like, you know what, Tart's injured a lot anyways, let's go with this young guy, or maybe even draft a strong safety in the draft, or somebody to kind of fill that type of role. But uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I like Tart as a starter, you know, especially when he's healthy. Um, the Quan Alexander one was very interesting, but it's not when you think of how well Dre Greenlaw played. But it sounds like uh, John Lynch 
he kind of just said, no, nah, that stuff's basically not true. And the only person that's getting traded is Marquise Goodwin. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. And if, and if you, if you missed that, John Lynch had his press conference yesterday and he was asked about those players and he said exactly what Crocker just said. He's like, no, we like all those guys. We're looking forward to playing with them. Um, but Marquise Goodwin's for sale. Like literally just kind of threw it out there. He's like, no, we've been trying to trade Marquise Goodwin and, you know, we've gotten close a couple times, but it hasn't worked out. And, and the way he worded it and the way he said it, it sounded like it was kind of imminent. Like he figured he, he, you know, he knows maybe he's already got a deal he hasn't taken yet. He, he, he just, it seems like he, he knows that's coming. So we'll see. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but it's, you know, that's interesting. And, and the Marquis Goodwin thing is, is much more, I don't want to say believable, but predictable. Like, you know, everybody kind of saw that coming. He was a healthy scratch last year a couple of times. So it was, it is what it is. You know, things just kind of fall out that way. Um, okay, moving on. We have Sam Granger wants to know, going off his tape coming out, Crocker, this one's for you. Where would you rank Debo Samuel among your top ride receivers this year? Uh, he'd be right at about eight, I think. Um, uh, so you have, a, you have a high opinion of this year's class. Yeah. Yeah. Now I think DK would still be high. I think DK would still probably be in my top three. But Debo would slide down a little bit. And like I said, I think that Rager is a little bit better all around. I think he's a little quicker, a little uh shiftier, uh you know, a little faster. He's just a little bit everything just a little bit better. Um so I'd have to put him right behind Rager, who I think I have Rager at seven, I believe. So I think he'd be kind of slotted in there at eight right before, I think, Ayuk. Do I have Ayuk at nine? I have to look at my – no, I have Isaiah Hodgins. I think I like him more than Ayuk, though. So Interesting. he'd be, he'd be in there between six and eight. He would have had him higher. Yeah, he'd, he'd be right there around six, like between six and eight. And that was my okay. draft prep, So and that, Yeah, I think that, that kind of – there was like the different type of talent – now, you know, you, I mean, but there's, like, different things, right? Like, so say, like, Brian Edwards, who I have at wide receiver five. He did a lot of similar things as Debo and looked a lot like him, like, with his movement skills. But he's 6'3", 215. So, you know you see what I'm saying? So, like, that's just kind of a, a, a better prospect. You know, he's just right, bigger. Right. And I get the same stuff. You know, the end of rounds. The, he, did, he ran a ton of end of rounds. So you get the end of rounds. You get, you know, the jump balls. Like, they, my buddy hit me and said they timed the same, their model per hours that they hit in games was the same. So you're getting a lot of the same stuff, but just like a jumbo-sized version of them. So obviously he'd be the better prospect, you know, higher on my rankings. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So to me, that's just, you know, with with how high Eric Crocker was on Debo Samuel before the 49ers drafted him and, and how well of a season he had, you know, it's it's uh, it's interesting. I think that, uh, you know, that just tells you how, how solid this this receiver classes. So, all right. Um, Brendan Panicker says, regardless, sorry, I've slaughtered your name, bro. Uh, regardless of who's available at 13, he thinks 49ers are going to trade down from 13 and 31 to recoup some picks. Who's your most ideal trade partner for 13? So if you take a look at the draft order, the 49ers pick at 13. Um, then you have the Bucks, the Broncos, the Falcons, the Cowboys, the Dolphins, um, the Raiders, Jaguars, Eagles were at 21 now. Vikings at 22. Patriots at 23. It's tough to say, you know, without without really like 
knowing those teams' needs and the odds of them trading up. I know I've heard a lot about the Falcons wanting to trade up, um, and I've heard about the Broncos wanting to trade up, both of them for, you know, I've heard a lot of receiver talk. Um, I, I don't know, but, I mean, it seems less likely with the, the Broncos just because they're only two spots behind behind the 49ers. So, you know, what would they be gaining by jumping the Buccaneers? I don't know. The Falcons, on the other hand, maybe that they've caught wind, that the, the Broncos are trying to trade up. Maybe they feel like they need to jump the Broncos, and maybe they're calling the 49ers, and that only moves the 49ers back from 13 to 16. Maybe you can get a third rounder, and boom. You know, and, and the odds are good that somebody you like is still going to be on the board. You're still in that top half. So, I mean, you know, that's obviously, I think, some of them, like one of the most ideal trade trade partners because of where it keeps you picking. Um, somebody like we talked about earlier, like the Patriots, if you're going to trade with them, they better fork it over. And you better get a lot because you're sacrificing, you know, that's 10 players that are going to go in between you and where you were picking. So, or, you know, where you were picking and between picking now. So it's it's tough, man. I mean, I, I'm not sure. It's just hard to name any more ideal trade partners given I don't know if these guys are even looking to trade up. But I'd say anything that keeps you inside the top 20, top, top 16, 17 is, is still a win for the 49ers considering, you know, what they'll be able to gain from that. Because the idea is, you know, if you're going to lose a player like DeForest Buckner, you better be, be able to make that pick have a pretty good impact and trading back once and, and make, turning it into two or three players or whatever, you know, that's the only way you're going to do that. So I don't know. I don't know. Crocky, any thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, it's kind of hard, like you said, without knowing like who's on the board and, you know, but I think, you know, since I like Justin Jefferson so much, if the 49ers were able to, you know, if they were looking to kind of get a receiver, but still be able to kind of recruit picks, um, I think you can move back to maybe, 17 with the Cowboys and then maybe right around like right before the Eagles pick. And I think you can still get um, Justin Jefferson and that would be cool because you probably get it, you know, at a third or, you know, a third and a fourth. So you'd have, you know, a couple more mid round picks and still grab a guy who I think would be um, definitely really good in the 49ers offense. So, um, you know, something like that would make sense for me. Uh, Just kind of stay ahead of the Philadelphia Eagles. Right, right. Okay. Uh, Muhammad Halabi, who, what do you think are the first three positions drafted by the Niners? Go. Wait, he said what? What, <laughs> what do you think the, what do you think of the first three positions drafted by the Niners? Let's say, let's just say for this, just so it makes it easier to think about. Um, they trade back, they end up with three picks in the first three rounds, you know. One in the first one, you know, whatever. We'll just say, we'll just say that. What do you think the first three positions they draft? Uh, defensive tackle, offensive guard, or offensive lineman, and receiver. Yeah, that's probably what I'm going. I think I'd probably go corner in there somewhere, but it's. Did you say defensive back or defensive tackle? Uh, defensive tackle first. Okay. Yeah, I think. I mean, that's yeah, somewhere in there. I, I really think that they're that first. I I would be really surprised if they didn't go corner in one of those first two picks. But you know, that could be something they might be lining themselves up to go next year. Okay, you go, Medina. 
Do either of you think the 49ers' current depth can hold the missing piece of Buckner? So the guys they currently have on the roster, can they absorb the impact left by DeForest Buckner? Ah, man. I'm going to say no. He's so good, you know. He was so good. Uh, The impact. Okay, if if D Ford is good, and if D Ford is what we think he can be, right, or what he should be, or be more consistently (laughs) what he is when he's good, like when he's on the field, then I don't think there will be a drop off. But if D Ford is not, which everything that says when he plays is good, but if he's not that guy then I think there will be a, a significant hit. So I think a lot of it, I, I don't think it, you know, I think Bosa's Bosa. I think Armstead's really good. I think DJ Jones went healthy. He's really good. But I think when you, if you want to be like kind of what they were last year, you need you need D Ford to kind of step up and actually, you know, play more snaps than 200 for an entire season. And if he does that and he's D Ford and he brings you, you know, 14 sacks or whatever, then I think, like, yeah, I don't think any – I think everybody's going to eat. I think Armstead's going to eat. Ford's going to eat. Bosa's going to eat. But if, if D Ford isn't D Ford, then I think we might end up, you know, really kind of – I think it would be fine. But I, I think you'll feel the absence of Buckner more. My biggest player in the race to pick up the slack for Buckner is DJ Jones. I think that he has, in limited action, shown a lot. You know, obviously he did get injured. We'll see uh, how much that affects him. But if he can successfully step into that starting role and play. Now, obviously you're not going to play as many snaps as DeForest Buckner. That guy essentially played every single snap. Unreal production from that guy. Um, But if he can step in and soak up the majority of those snaps, I do not think there will be that big of a drop-off. I think that there will be a drop-off. But I have a pretty high opinion of DJ Jones. I think he can, you know, really kind of at least make you forget Buckner was there. And, and, you know, and and that doesn't mean he's completely doing everything, but he he won't be a liability. So I think that's their biggest player when it comes to that spot. It's a pity that we're not mentioning Solomon Thomas, but I just, at this point, I'm just not really sure what to expect of him. So. To me, my biggest X factor when it comes to replacing Buckner is, is DJ Jones. And if he can stay healthy and he can log starting defensive lineman snaps, then I think the 49ers will be pretty good. Um, all right, Zach Van Dyke. Could drafting another athletic pass-catching tight end later in the draft alleviate the need for drafting a wide receiver early on, giving us more capital to fill other needs? Can always get a burner guy later in the draft. Um it could, like, like I was saying earlier, like it's you're getting if you if you're gonna get a guy that's a playmaker that can make plays that you can throw the ball to and make plays, then it could alleviate that need a little bit. Not to me, you're still okay. So you have Debo Samuel, Kendrick Bourne, and who else? Travis Benjamin? No, don't say that. You know, like you're still like a big. You know, a big void there left by Emmanuel Sanders. That's why they traded for him in the first place. So, I mean, I, I think that they, they are looking for an, a move tight end or somebody that can have an impact opposite Kittle. I think Kyle Shanahan's got, probably got all nifty, kinds of nifty ideas for that spot. And I think that if you're going to draft a guy like that, say a Michael Pittman or Chase Claypool, who we were just talking about, somebody big that might be able to hold up inside, 
then yeah, I mean, it's like you're drafting another receiver because it's a guy that makes plays, you know, when the ball's in the air. So I don't know. What do you think, man? Yeah, and I, you know, I kind of started coming along on the whole thought process of a of a tight end, but you know, just when you know people started throwing around like OJ Howard and you know Evan Ingram, you know, <laughs> some of those guys, and how you know they can kind of transform their offense. Forty Niners are like a twenty-one heavy personnel team, anyways. Maybe they'll go to more like you know two tight end sets, which it's still tough because I feel like Juice Check they use him as kind of like a tight end kind of, you know, he's a pass catcher. So I don't know. I mean, none of it really makes sense to me, but they've been sniffing (laughs) around tight ends. So, you know, I I guess I I, I could see, but I don't know about passing up a receiver for a tight end later because, I mean, I don't know. Usually you really kind of hear about some of these athletic tight ends in this class and, I, I think I can only name one tight end in this entire class, and that's Chase Claypool. <laughs> right. So, right. Uh, hey, now if it's Chase Claypool, which I've been doing that in mock drafts where I've drafted him in the third round, and and hey, he's gonna play tight end for me. Like that's that's great. But outside that, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's not a strong tight end class, and if you're if you're really looking at the draft, I mean, and like you said, maybe they they kind of get creative. But uh, another guy on Crocker's ri- radar, um, Pete uh, Vigna, I think you how you say your last name. He would like to hear Eric's thoughts on Brian Edwards' possible fit with the Niners, and if and how chemistry with Debo at USC could benefit the team. No, yeah, South Carolina. Yeah. Um, and he said he wanted Eric's, Eric's thoughts, so I see how it is, Pete. I will not give you my thoughts, and I will turn over the mic to Eric Kroger. Yeah, no, um, Ryan Edwards, man, I really like him. You know, and especially if you think of, you know, Debo as more of like a Z, I think Brian Edwards is like definitely like an X receiver. He has quick quickness, twitchiness, um, really strong hands. You know, he can kind of stretch the field down the sideline. Uh, it, it's kind of weird because, like I said, he's he's – He's really Debo Samuel, but just like a jumbo-sized version of him. But, yeah, I mean, I, I would really like him. I, I still think you would kind of, like, look for that. Who's going to be the burner, right? Like, you know, who who's going to be that guy that steps up? And, and, I mean, we've been talking about Richie James for a couple years now. You know, when is he going to get his opportunity? But if they can get somebody that kind of, like, really kind of turn into that guy that stretches the field with speed, then you have Debo and Brian Edwards. That's I think they play they play very well off of each other. I, I think that'd be really good. I, I really like it. I don't think that they'll do it, but I, I like it. And I think he's going to be somebody that's around, like in the third or fourth round. And he was my wide receiver of five. So um, yeah, that's somebody I really like. And I think they'll they'll like the the person he is. But did they meet with him or anything? Like, was there any Zoom meetings with him? I haven't I haven't heard anything, man. Yeah. Hey, you realize that you hit uh, 20,000 followers today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I dragged the mouse over your name when I was scrolling through the mentions. And I was like, oh, shit, 20,000. Like, Congrats, dude. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard it. Um, you. Uh, what am I looking at here? I was going to announce it with the website, which I haven't really announced the website yet. but Don't worry about it. Yeah, We're yeah. Back. You guys didn't hear nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's coming soon. You guys see, it's pretty cool. Um, 
except for that shitty logo. If <laughs> if the team was to make an oh this is Jed if the team was to make an unexpected pick either be a trade down or at thirteen what would you expect it to be Ooh that's a good question Um for Jeff Okuda like trading up after him Wait is that what they said Like if the team was to make an unexpected or oh wait wait repeat the no, question no, If the Forty ers were to make an unexpected pick, whether that was after they traded down or at thirteen, what would you expect it to be? So, like, what position could the Forty ers pick that you just don't really expect? Uh, to me, I'm going to go with like a, an edge rusher. Um, I think that is kind of being overlooked. And if the Forty ers are looking to trade D Ford, and if they do work something out. Then maybe somebody like uh, I think his name's Clavon Chasen. I, I don't yeah. necessarily know how to Chase Chaseon or yeah, yeah. He he, an edge guy at LSU. He's right there at that value. You know, he might still be on the board. And this isn't you know other than um, Chase Young. There's it's kind of the the majority of the edge rusher class is more mid first round talent. So I could see them trading back, and if they get somebody interested in D Ford. I could see them going with an edge guy and saying, "Okay, we got Nick Bosa, we got a brand new rookie, like let's let's go at it," you know, and and that would save them a lot of money and salary cap if they work something out with D Ford. That's kind of my, and, and maybe they still take a guy like that, you know, maybe they they trade back quite a ways and they go with uh, uh, what's the guy uh, AJ Epinesa, who however you say his name, um, he's kind of a guy that's a lot like. Eric Armstead-ish, like he's like a, a big edge dude that might end up playing inside. So that's my surprise. What do you think, man? Uh, a surprise pick at 13 or a trade back. I would say uh, uh, a trade back and then draft like a safety. <laughs> you know, like that that would be – linebackers. There's supposed to be some really good linebackers. Um, I can't think of their names off the top of my head right now. I've been like – so into the receivers and DBs, but I think there's supposed to be some really good linebackers. And if Quan Alexander is somebody that, ah, but there's Greenlaw, like linebacker would surprise me. That would surprise me, but then you never know what they're trying to do. And I think Sal is somebody that always tries to um, make the defense kind of versatile. And kind of he, it looks like he does a pretty good job of changing with the times. So, you know, if they wanted to do something that was, like, different and draft a linebacker, it would be very surprising. But, um, yeah. The 49ers are going to draft a running back, and everybody's going to lose their mind. Oh, oh <laughs> man, that would, be, yeah, that would be awesome. It would just be amazing to see the reactions. But DeAndre Swift, what? Yeah. You know, I, like, I like him, so. No, I do too. But, I mean, it would just be – it would blow so many – so many minds. Okay. There's some guys on Twitter that for sure would be extremely upset. There's some oh, guys yeah. that are like super anti running back. I know. I know, man. There's a whole like part of Twitter that's anti big running backs. You know, they don't want to pay running backs. They don't want to draft them early. Like there's a whole like group of Twitter dedicated to yelling at everybody who likes running backs enough to pay them. Like I saw a bunch of people freaking out when they paid Christian McCaffrey his money. I was like, are you serious? Like, people are freaking out about this. Like, the dude's like a a thousand-yard receiver, thousand-yard rusher. Like, one of the most dynamic players in the NFL right now. People don't even want to pay that guy. Right. I'm like, I'm like, man, like, I would pay, I would have paid him what they paid him in a heartbeat. I know it's a lot of money, but that guy is like, 
He is a freaking Ferrari engine in the center of your offense. Like, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't got a problem paying a guy like that anytime, ever, you know. Right. Just look at the numbers. Does he score touchdowns? Oh, he does? Okay. You know, like, this is how you win games. Anyways, I'm, I'm going off track. So, Charmando, who should the 49ers target in the second and third rounds if they trade out of the two first-rounders? Uh, like I said, I, I think they need to get a cornerback. If, if they end up with a first, second, third-round pick, I think one of them has to be a corner. They're just like – they're on a precipice at that position with Richard Sherman one more year. And he's a little older. Could he get hurt? Who's going to step in? Kella Witherspoon hasn't been great one more year. Emmanuel Sanders still kind of working himself into that spot. Undrafted free agent with one more year. Uh, dude, it's it's like seems like that would – have to be it. I still am going to feel like they have to take a receiver because, like I said, it's Debo Samuel, Kendrick Bourne, and you're hoping one of those other guys works out, you know, stuff like that. So just removing the uncertainty and getting yourself some solid players. What do you think, Croc? And uh, I I agree. No, I, I agree. I don't really have much to add to that. Okay. So we're moving on to Jim Nestman. Great job, guys. What do you guys think of this pick? 13 Take Chase on. <laughs> hey, good timing there, Jim. Right. Um, right. Trade Ford and Goodwin for picks and trade 31 plus a future pick for Odell Beckham Jr. Chase has more power and he's healthy and can play more downs, unlocking our pass trust for years to come with Bosa. I mean, shit, man. If they could pull all that off, you would not see me complaining. You know, yeah, I'm not I think very huge on the OBJ and everything that's coming with him nowadays. Right. But, I mean, I don't know, man. Getting a guy like Odell Beckham, maybe he would finally settle into a – he could finally settle into a place where he could be what he's meant to be in, in an offense like Shanahan. I think Shanahan loves him and what he can do on the field. You know, a lot of things would kind of have to go right, obviously, for that to happen. But what do you think, man? Yeah, I'm, I'm – you know, I'm a big Odell Beckham guy, but I, I've kind of soured on that whole thing a, a little bit to the point where I wouldn't give up pick 31. Um, I, I forgot the entire question, but I know I got got up in the whole Odell. I know so, Chase Young. I know he wanted Chase. I know he wanted uh, the edge rusher at 13. Right. And, oh, okay. Trading, I, I remember what I was going to say. Trading Marquise Goodwin, so you get picks for those guys. And then you're using 31 plus a future pick. I don't think you would need the future pick. I think if you called right. the Browns and said, I'll give you pick 31 for Odell, they would do it. Um, considering his contract, too. So that's everything. That's that's the. Right. That's, and it sounds like a lot of the moves they're making is to, you know, alleviate, like, cap space. You know, they want to kind of, like, open things up. So um, to kind of, op- you know, oh, I'm going to trade these guys to open up cap space, but then bring Odell back on, you know, just. To me, it doesn't make a ton of sense, especially since you're kind of locked into him for a while. Like now, if it's a situation where, like, you know, you want to bring in Jadavion Clowney for the year, that's a little different, right? You know, okay, I'm going to get rid of D4, you know, which was kind of, you know, it's kind of year to year right now, you know, you know, but I'm going to sign Clowney, you know, for this year to get through, and, then, you know, we'll figure out, you know, another edge rusher from there. Like, that would kind of make a little bit more sense to me. Right. Yeah, no, that's an interesting scenario. I think that, you know, like I said, there's a lot of stuff that would need to happen for that to be a reality. But I mean, that's pretty sweet. That would, there would, I would be pretty impressed with John Lynch if he pulled all that off. I'm, I'm not even saying that it would, it would work out. Who knows? But it would, it's a lot of moves, and they all kind of make a little bit of sense. So it's just an interesting scenario. I like it. 
Okay, Joshua has, looks like, at least two questions. Do you think trading Matt Breida and a fifth secures Evan Ingram? And two, do you think Lynch will approach wide receivers this year like he did with safety last year, a.k.a. not picking one in the draft? <laughs> Although all throughout 19, fans were begging Lynch to sign Earl Thomas for free agency and draft Nasir Adderley. Um, okay, so first one. Do you think trading Matt Breida and a fifth rounder secures Evan Ingram? No, uh, I, think uh, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't. Do you think the 49ers say no or the Giants say no? I think the Giants say no. You know, I think so. we used a first round pick on this guy, and you know, this is a a, a running back like y'all didn't even use like last year. You know, I think I'm maybe Breida in a third maybe would do it. You know, yeah. I don't know. I, it would have to be more than a fifth because that would be a little just kind of embarrassing for them, you know, to, I mean, obviously Brita has proven that he can be a pretty good running back, but like Crocker just said, he was, there was a reason Shanahan wasn't using him a lot at the end of the year. You know, it's not just right. because he likes to stash good players. He was fumbling the football and whatever else was going on. So um, the other question was, do you think the 49ers are just not going to draft a wide receiver this year? No. <laughs> no. Remember, I, I, it it. Remember I was like, they're not going to draft Remember, I was saying it. They're not going to draft corner or safety. I remember. I think I did it. I did a thread on um, on uh, uh, Juan Thornhill, who I love. Right, he was my favorite defensive back in the entire draft, and I was like, um, you know, I I don't think the Forty Nine ers are draft safety, but you know, that's not going to stop me from doing a thread on this guy who I think is very talented. And everybody was like, they're not going to draft a safety. Like I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think they're going to draft corner either. And I did mocks. And um, I did a final mock, which I actually do a final mock tomorrow as well, um, where I, you know, I, I have like the graphics. I, you know, I do a whole little breakdown. I did it last year, um, but even in that, I didn't have the Forty Nine taking a corner at all, and people were just like, "What?" No, yeah, and I, yeah. I agreed with you. I, I just thought there was too much that the team still needed to figure out to throw somebody else into that mix. You know, right now they did in well, Tim Harris, but I mean. Once I saw him, I'm like, this dude don't even – I kept looking like, who is this Harris dude? And the NWM, I'm like, oh, my God, get this dude out of here. And I think to, instead of cutting him, they just put him on IR um, and kind of basically use that as like a red shirt season. But, yeah, that – yeah, I, I was saying, though, like, I don't know about corner. And so this year, I don't get that sense. I definitely think that they have to address receiver. Now, to what extent, I don't know. I think – you have to get a guy because I think we just got we have bodies like you know like not, a, said, not a guy guy just a guy yeah no, no you got to get a guy guy kind of right, right? <laughs> you have an opportunity to do that because you 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 have dudes we have bodies and you have uncertainty like you you have that so I don't think you just draft somebody oh I'm gonna just draft somebody in the third or fourth round to compete with Trent Taylor um you know Dante Pettis. Like, you know, like, I, I think you draft somebody, you know, at 31, you know, at the latest, or if you trade back to the second round and you want to grab somebody that you feel, you know what, this guy's going to come in right away and we're going to get him involved just, you know, like we, how we did with Debo Samuel. Because I, I can't see them just taking a swing at somebody and making that person have to Unless they're higher on these guys than I am, you know. Maybe they're like, well, right. we'll just draft somebody to compete. But then it's like, that will be a wasted pick in a round, in a draft where you don't have a lot of picks. Right. Yeah. I'm on board. I agree. I agree. Okay. We've got used goat. 
the real used goat. Uh, I know Eric has LSU Justin Jefferson as the number three wide receiver, and I've seen him number four often, but I would kind of hate him in the first round. Please <laughs> gently explain why I'm so wrong so I feel better if we take him. Seems like a slot-only guy or scheme reliant. Um, if I was gently explaining this to you, I would kind of harken back to what I said earlier and say, Justin Jefferson, like what Crocker said, he's a very good all-around wide receiver. He doesn't suck at any part of his job. He's good at almost every part of his job. And I feel like if your goal is to not miss on a pick, he's pretty safe for a wide receiver. There are so many first-round wide receivers that don't work out. There are a ton of you know second and third-round wide receivers that do work out. There's probably just as many that don't work out, but – you know, what you don't want is drafting a guy in the first round that never ends up contributing and, you know, you you know, you, you let him roll through his rookie contract and then he doesn't come back. You know, you don't that's not what you want in a player like that. I feel like Justice Jefferson, he might not be I feel like CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Duty. To me, like wide receiver one caliber players. The odds are good that they can be a wide receiver one. Still chance they bust. Henry Ruggs, decent chance of being a wide receiver one. He's just, you know, it just depends on how he kind of ends up developing. And I don't feel like Justin Jefferson has wide receiver one potential. Maybe a little bit, but I feel like he's going to be very, very solid. A receiver that you have on your team for eight years because he just keeps putting up 700 yards and, and six touchdowns every year. Maybe he does better than that sometimes. Maybe he creeps up on a thousand yards. You know, that's just how I look at him. What do you think, dude? Um, I mean, yeah, like I said, we're very well-rounded. And I think people try to pigeonhole him into just being a slot. But, I mean, he played outside all of 2018. Now, he's a better slot than the outside guy, but he has the ability to be able to win on the outside, you know, with his routes and, with you know, with his um, fast enough speed that he plays with. Um, he's just really – I think the 49ers, you know, he's like ideal – Z. And if they're looking for somebody to replace Emmanuel Sanders or kind of feel like that type of uh, role, you know, he's somebody that lined up in a lot of tight splits, um, especially at uh, at LSU. He's a really good blocker, um, and he does all the dirty work over that there. That is he's a really huge tough. deal in Kyle Shanahan's offense. I don't think Kyle Shanahan would draft a receiver because he's a good blocker, but he'll draft a receiver over another one easily because he blocks his ass off. You know, like so many of Kyle Shanahan's plays go out to the outside where they need, you know, the difference between 10 yards and 50 yards is if that receiver gets his block. You know, like he has a lot of plays like that. So if, if you got a receiver that can block, I guarantee you Kyle Shanahan's already taken note of it. You got anything else on that one, dude? Nah, nah. Nah, nah, nah. All right, West Coast says, what do you think of, who do you think are the six foundational players John Lynch was talking about? Okay, so let me find a big board here. Got one. Uh, now, he said there are six foundational players that would, like, force them to, to pick at six. Now, what I don't think we should get that confused with is six players that he believes will be available to him. I don't think he means that. He's saying there's six guys that – and maybe he's not even talking about corners – um, maybe he's just – or excuse me, I said corners, I meant quarterbacks, you know, because they might have taken that off the board given they got Jimmy G. They, they probably – if Joe Burrow falls to them, yeah, I think they'd probably draft him. But, um, you know, if you look at a big board, obviously somebody like Chase Young, Jeffrey Okuda, 
Isaiah Simmons. There's three right there. That should be those are like the top consensus top three on you know non quarterbacks on everybody's big board. If those aren't among John Lynch's foundational players, I don't know. You know, and then you kind of go from there. Probably there's probably an offensive lineman on there. They might be two offensive linemen on there. They might not even be a receiver on there. You know, uh, let's say my six just to rattle them off: Chase Young, Jeffrey Okuda, Isaiah Simmons, Jedrick Wills, offensive tackle out of Bama. Uh, probably also Tristan Rohrs, offensive tackle out of Iowa. Um, maybe Javon Kinlaw, maybe Jerry Judy, maybe Derek Brown. You know, there might there might not be even be a receiver in there. So, what do you think, dude? Nah, yeah, I, it's yeah, it's just kind of hard to know. Like, is he talking about you know for the 49ers, guys that he expects to be there, or just in general? Right. Um, I'm assuming so, he means in general. Otherwise, I don't know. I I don't know. I, it's it's just it's an odd statement and you know how do you pair it up yeah. so okay darkness if if Javon Kinlaw defensive tackle out of South Carolina falls to the 49ers at 13 I'm going to be so angry if they pass unless it's a really great trade down why pass on him especially when he wants to play here yeah he mentioned on something I can't remember that he that he uh that he wanted to play for the 49ers but I mean everybody wants to play for everybody with an early draft pick <laughs> um, right. So, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not going to be mad if they pass on him, but you know, I, I'll understand why they take him. Just depends on who's there. Just depends on who's there. What do you think, man? I'm all for taking good football players. So, I mean, if they say they pass on him for CD Lamb, or you know, it's like, all right, you know, you project him to be a really good football player. So, yeah, I, I typically there aren't. I think the only time I really disagree with the 49ers pick was Solomon Thomas. Outside of that, I'm usually really a, a, a wait-and-see type guy. And they've passed on guys that I really like. I mean, I think I, I was so high on Minka Fitzpatrick. And we just saw he was uh, all pro safety. I loved Minka, and I was like, that's the guy. And they passed on him for a tackle. And I was like, well, you know, just hopefully he's as good as they say, you know. And I think the things that I struggled with with that were all the reports were saying, well, he's a better run blocker than pass blocker. And it's like, man, you drafted this guy at nine that isn't a good pass protector. Uh, but I, I still, even then, I was like, okay, well, well, we'll wait and see, like, how it plays out. So I'm typically not too like, oh, why did they draft this guy? The only time I was really like that was with Solomon Thomas. Right. I agree with that. Oh, and uh, and and uh, uh, Josh Garnett when when they drafted him and and um, and Michael Thomas was on the board. I, I know I was upset about that. You were a big Michael Thomas guy beforehand. Oh yeah, I thought he was wide receiver one in that class, and I didn't understand why he was so low. And I think I heard or heard like you know just listening, you know, watching, t- looking at Twitter and stuff like that. I think they were saying. He struggled to like pick up a playbook or something. Like they were trying to say he was like stupid or something. Um, well, I mean, they all regret it now. Yeah. So I, I didn't. I, I clear. I, I had no idea why he was falling the way he was. I thought he was the best receiver, six three, two fifteen. I thought he had you know solid routes. I thought he was good after the catch. There was a lot to like about him. I liked him more than Josh Doxson and Corey Coleman, who I was like, that's just a guy that really runs fast. I thought his routes were terrible. Um, yeah, I, I was Laquan Treadmill. Will I thought he was much better than him. I was really surprised to see him that late. I mean, and I expected. I'll show you a, a post I had made 
um, on this little 49ers Facebook uh, group, and I was like, something's telling me he's going to be there in the second round, and the 49ers should 100% take him or trade up to get him. And sure enough, they traded up, and I 100% I thought it was for him, and it was not. It was for Josh. <laughs> I was upset. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Especially with how it's worked out, too, man. Can you imagine what the 49ers would be doing right now if Michael Thomas was on their squad? But oh, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. All right, so our very last question of the night, Michael Medina. So many rumored trades in the first round. Which heavily rumored trade scenario do you think is absolute bullshit? That's that's what he wrote, guys. Just reading what he wrote. Um, I don't know, man. I think I think a lot of those players that were mentioned in that John Lynch trade were probably not available. You know, I, I think that was probably maybe just throwing something at a wall. I, I don't know. I mean, there hasn't been a whole lot of trade scenarios that I thought were just super silly being mentioned. Um, but, I mean, the fact that some, so many things, D. Ford, Quan Alexander, and Jaquiski Tart are all available, you know, so they would trade all three of those guys right now if they got the chance. What the hell are they going to do on defense? I, I could see what made, made them, like, expendable, but, yeah, I couldn't see them letting go on all those guys. The one I was like, ah, was D. Ford. Outside right. of that, really, everybody else, I was just like, whatever. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, I mean, that's really the most I could come up with. I'm, I'm probably forgetting something, but I mean, that's there hasn't been a whole lot of trade rumors that I just thought were were insane. I mean, even the Evan Ingram one, that kind of, I kind of was like, yeah, sure, whatever. But I mean, I could see why they would be doing it, so I wouldn't call it absolute BS. I'm not, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, I don't know. Right. But, that, I mean, that's pretty much it for us tonight. I mean, that was hopefully, you know, that was everybody's questions. I didn't have anybody in here that was muted, which is awesome. <laughs> means you're all good people and you haven't said something stupid to make me mute you. Um, and that should be everybody. And the big thing that, I, that I'm taking away from this draft right now or what my final thoughts are, that I've, I've seen that comment that somebody said, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah, I can't remember who it was, said, that the way the media expects the draft to go and the way it's going to go are two very, very, very different things, which is awesome to me. Like, I hope the whole draft is filled with Clellan Farrell to the Raiders type reactions. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, holy, sh- why is this guy going right now? You know, stuff like that. If it's if it's crazy, it is what it is. Cool, man. Enjoy it. The draft only happens once a year. The one piece of advice I would leave you with is, sure, you can have your draft draft crush, but just know the 49ers at most are only going to get to pick two people. So don't become so emotionally wrapped up around, around one player that the 49ers have to draft and all that stuff. Just enjoy it. Have fun. Um, you know, know that the 49ers are going to get a good player no matter what. And just, just enjoy it. You know, you got it. What are your, what are your final thoughts here, Croc? No, I'm just excited, man. And, and um, the, the revision tour starts in two days. Right. Right. 2020 could be a huge year for the 49ers. We'll see. We will see. Um, it's interesting. That's a good, it's a good final closing statement. We're going to leave it at that. Um, as always, thank you guys for being here. Thanks you for listening to our podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sticking with, with us this long. I think we're like almost an hour and a half in, uh, yeah, just under it. So, you know, obviously you wanted to get to all your questions. I appreciate you guys for being here. Wouldn't be possible without you guys. Follow me on Twitter at Rob underscore louder. Follow Eric, um, 20,000 followers, Crocker, <laughs> at Eric underscore Crocker. Um, follow him on Twitter and tell him all his draft takes and his rankings are wrong. And make sure you guys are staying inside. Make sure you're washing your hands. Make sure you're staying healthy. Um, no matter how much you read about all these weird states opening up their businesses, 
that's not what we should be doing. Stay hunker down, stay healthy, so this thing can be gone in a hurry, and our NFL season is in, in jeopardy. So, uh, but that's it for another week. The next time we come at you, we will be reviewing the 49ers 2020 draft class. This is Striking Gold signing out. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.